the First Christian Church of Chiefland brings you the good news What's your excuse? Excuse me? What's your excuse? I think it's a logical question to ask, isn't it? Depending on what you're talking about, what's your excuse is a very logical question. According to the UPI News item, the Metropolitan Insurance Company received some unusual explanations for accidents from its automobile policyholders. These are a few that were really given as reasons for an accident. Number one, an invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and vanished. Number two, the other car collided with mine without warning me of its intentions. Number three, I had been driving my car for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had the accident. No wonder I fell asleep. 40 years is a long time to drive. Number four, as I reached an intersection, a hedge sprang up, obstructing my vision. Number five, I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. Mm, boy, you can say a lot with that one. Number six, the pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. Number seven, the telephone pole was approaching fast. I attempted to swerve out of its path when it struck my front end. Number eight, the guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. And number nine, the indirect cause of this accident was a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. Okay. Now, it seems like we humans live by giving excuses. We have excuses for everything. Excuses for not paying our bills on time. Excuses for being late to work. Excuses for coming home late. Excuses for not doing our work. Excuses for not doing what the doctor tells us to do. And the list can go on and on and on. And men and women know how to make up excuses. And it doesn't matter how old you are. We even have excuses for God. As to why we do what we do or don't do what we're supposed to do. And from my understanding of talking to people... When you reach a certain age, you may begin to feel like you just aren't needed. Like you are no longer useful and that you lack purpose. Well, let me tell you, that just isn't true. That's just another excuse, isn't it? Regardless of age, we still are useful. Why? Because age isn't what's important, but attitude is what's important. In his book, Living Above the Level of Mediocrity, Charles Swindell said, it's what you do, not when you do it. It's what you do, not when you do it. He made these points. Golda Meir was 71 years old when she became the Prime Minister of Israel. George Bernard Shaw was 94 when one of his plays was first published. Benjamin Franklin was 81 years old when he helped frame the United States Constitution. And I once read of a lady who at 72 years young received her bachelor's degree from the LSU University, from the Louisiana State University, LSU, for you people who know what that means. 72! 
thing is, you're never too young or too old to serve God. Right? If you've got talent and a heart to use it, you can serve God at any age. Let's recognize that age has little to do with ability. Attitude is the key. But, I just want to say this, excuses are not new to God. Chances are, and I say this with all honesty, I say 100%, how's that? 100% sure there's not a single excuse you can come up with that God hasn't already heard. Excuses are as old as man. How do I know that? Remember the Garden of Eden. After the sin, Adam and Eve both made excuses to God. Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 through 13. Listen to this. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, well, the woman whom you have to be, or who you gave me to be with, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Is that an excuse? Well, the woman you gave me. <laughs> so really, it's your fault, God. And she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. You know, that's as good as said, the serpent, God, that you made... Deceive me, and I ain't. You know what that's called? Excuses, excuses, excuses. And they're not new. So today I want to talk about another who gave God excuses. And his name was Moses. God called Moses to be a servant and leader of his children. Now listen to me. When he was 80 years old. And guess what? <laughs> God wanted Moses to serve him, and Moses came up with excuses. Let's read in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire from the midst of a bush, so he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father." the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, 
that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, I pray as we talk about this topic of the excuses that Moses brought, we'll understand these are many times the same excuses we use, and that people use to reason why they cannot serve you. And I pray we'll understand, Lord, age is not the factor here, it's our attitude. Moses was called when he was 80 years old. Lord, I've already seen many times in my days here on earth men and women who continue to serve you in their 70s and 80s and 90s and beyond. Lord, I, I think of certain individuals that I know for a fact in their 90s and they have stopped, stopped praising you and worshiping you and serving you. So I pray, Lord, we'll understand that it's an attitude we must all have. Not to make excuses, Lord, when you call us to serve you, to do something important for you, to do something, Lord, that might seem unimportant to us, but it's important to you. So help us to understand in our service to you that age is not the factor but our attitude. And help us today, Lord, not to give you excuses. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. During World War II, there was a poster of a man on it that became known as Uncle Sam. And on the poster, it was Uncle Sam pointing his finger out like this, and it said this, Uncle Sam wants you! Well, I want to go off that and think this is God looking at Moses and Moses, I want you! Well, guess what? Today is no different from the rest of us. God's saying, I want you. Now, you might not think that's any big deal, but you know, to me, I think of that, I must be important to God if God wants me to serve Him. So right, automatically, we should have the right attitude about how we look at God if God says, I want you. God thinks of us as important to His kingdom. But what Moses gets the, I want you, and Moses says, okay, well, let's see if I can get out of this. So Moses gives God four excuses why he's not the man for the job. And the first one is this. He sees himself as inferior. Inferiority was his first excuse. There it says in verse 11 of that third chapter, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Well, who am I? You see, he sees himself as a nobody. He has an inferiority complex. Well, 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 well who am I? I'm a nobody. A man went to see a psychiatrist for having an inferiority complex. And he spoke with the doctor for one hour. And afterwards, the doctor said, you don't have an inferiority complex. You are inferior. And the man said, well, sir, I'd like a second opinion. And the doctor said, okay, you're ugly also. I don't think that's the kind of psychiatrist I'd want to go see. How about you? Do too many people are walking around feeling inferior, and they shouldn't feel that way. What is God's purpose for you, Christian? For Moses, God's purpose was to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. His purpose for Joshua was to lead the children of Israel into the Promised Land. 
God's purpose for Paul was to take the gospel to the Gentiles. What is God's purpose for you and me? I think it's quite simple. It's just whether we want to take what God tells us to do and do it. It's this simple. How about Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20? God gives us a simple command, doesn't he? It says this, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things as I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There you go. God's purpose. He gave us a purpose. Go, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. Now, I know I've had people give me an excuse. Well, well Tom, I'm not a teacher. Uh, I could never tell them about Jesus because I don't know enough. Really? I'll get to that in a second here. Hold that thought. What about John? 1 John 3.22 And whatever we ask, we receive from him because what? We keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That's very simple, right? God tells us our purpose. Keep his commandments and be pleasing in his sight. My mom and dad had a purpose for me. <laughs> My dad told me all the time. Son, you know what I want to do? I want you to behave yourself. That was his purpose for me. We're, look, we're going to visit my, my sister uh, Romaine. When you boys are there, I want you to behave yourself, sit on the sofa, and don't say anything. <laughs> so we'd be quiet, got to at, uh, Romaine's house, we'd sit on the sofa, sit down there, put our hands in our lap, we'd sit there. You don't talk! Then Aunt Romaine says, would you boys like a soda? You go and run up there to the barn and get yourself a soda. Now, that old man, she was a great lady. <laughs> she knew she could feel some sugar drink in those boys, and they'd be all wild up. And that's what happened. I guess I didn't feel Dad's purpose there for my life. But God's telling us simple things, isn't he? Behave yourself. Keep my commandments and do what's pleasing in my sight. Now, make disciples, teach them, baptize them and teach them. God gave Moses a purpose. And what was God's response to Moses' excuse? It's this. He says, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Just because we've reached a certain age doesn't mean we still don't have purpose. You and I aren't inferior. We have a purpose. Use it to help yourself and others. Remember that we talked about a couple weeks ago. God doesn't make junk. Remember that? I, I encourage you to stand in front of the mirror and, and tell yourself each day how good you look. Because in God's eyes, that's how you look. You look good. He didn't make no junk. You're not inferior to anyone. I don't care what age you are. But you and I have to believe that, don't we? People can tell us all kinds of stuff. I can stand here and tell you that all day long. But you have to accept that in here. That you're not inferior to anyone. God didn't make any junk. He has a purpose for you. 
age is only a number. We all want to start thinking this way. We are old. We are well seasoned with the wonderful experiences that come with life. I don't remember the age I turned. I don't know if it was 60 or whatever. But Krista met me back there one on my birthday. And Krista told me this. Mr. Tom, you're still 25 with 35 years experience. I said, bless your heart. You know, that's the way we need to feel. How old are you today by God's numbers? Who cares? How old are you in your own mind with your attitude? That's the key, isn't it? That's the key. I was called upon to... My mom lived in a little retirement community in Pennsylvania, and she was. Uh, she asked me one day, one day, she said, Tom, would you come and talk to our people at our birthday party? Every year we have a... Uh, 80 and over birthday party. She said we celebrate everybody's birthday on the same day, and especially the ones who are 80 and older. I said, sure, Mom, I'll come. I use some of the stuff in this sermon to talk about. They're not too old if they want to serve God at any age. But I was honored to sit at the lead table. They had all these people there, and then lunch and everything, and I was at the lead table because I was the guest speaker. But I was honored not because I was the guest speaker, but because of the company I had. Two ladies, one on each side of me, sat with me. Both born the exact same day. Both the same age. And they've been best friends since they were in kindergarten. They were like 84. So they've been best friends for almost 80 years. And getting to chat with them was amazing. I was the one who got honored talking to these two ladies. Things they experienced. Things they had done together. But also the things they had done for other people. Because these ladies, the men out there that were, in the, that were honoring them would come up and say, you know what they did for me? Or you know what she did for me? Or you know what they've done for this community? Their age didn't stop them. That's pretty amazing. You know, you're not inferior to anyone. But that was Moses' first excuse and God met it with a good comment. I'm with you. Number two, ignorance. Oh no, ignorance. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, okay, the first one didn't work. Moses said, well indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Well, 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 what's his name? Now, professional golfer Tommy Bolt was playing in Los Angeles. And he had a caddy with a reputation of constant chatter. And if you've ever played golf, you don't want your caddy doing much talking to you. Well, he chattered and chattered. And before they teed off, Tommy Bolt told him, Don't say a word to me. If I ask you something, just answer yes or no. And during the round, Bolt, Bolt found the ball next to a tree and where he had to hit under a branch over a lake and onto the green. He got down on his knees and he looked through the trees and sized up the shot. He said, what do you think? He asked his caddy, a five-iron? No, Mr. Bolt, the caddy said. Well, what do you mean not a five-iron? Bolt snorted, what should I use for this shot? 
And the caddy just rolled his eyes. No, Mr. Bolt. Well, Bolt wasn't happy. He grabbed the five iron. And he hit the ball, and it stopped about two feet from the hole. And he turned to his caddy, handed him the five iron, and said, Now what do you think about that? You can talk now. Mr. Bolt, the caddy said, that wasn't your ball. Big penalty hitting someone else's ball. Absolutely. Ignorance is not an excuse. Moses' first excuse was, who am I? His second excuse was, well, who are you? How many times have we used the excuse, I don't know enough, or I don't know that person? You bring that thought back forward, what I said now? God's response was this in verse 14. And God said, I am who I am. He said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am that sent me to you. You see, ignorance is not an excuse. I am means self-existing one. In the Greek, it's ego me. I am who I am. Jesus used the same name in John 8.58. When he said, most assuredly, most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was, I am. In other words, I am just like God the Father said back in the days of Moses, I am that I am. That's me, I am. It's only me, the self-existing one. Because ignorance is not an excuse. If you don't know something, it's a great opportunity to learn it. And if you don't know the person, it's a great opportunity to get to know that person. Invite them to lunch. Go to your house for cake and coffee. Or to play cards. Get to know them. There's this old saying that says this. They will never care how much you know until they know how much you care. And what we know or don't know isn't an excuse for not getting involved and using what time and talents the good Lord has given to us. Helping others will help you feel good and will give you more opportunity to introduce people to Jesus. Share with them your testimony for Christ. What, was Je what has Jesus done for you in your life, the lives of your family and friends? I've told you many times, when you, if you talk to somebody about Jesus and they ask you a question that you don't know, that's a blessing. That's not a curse. You know why it's a blessing? Because you can say, well, I'm not sure about the answer to that, but I will study it, look it up, and I'll get back to you. You just opened the door for a second visit. Plus, you also gave yourself an opportunity to learn something. And if you don't know, or you're not finding it, guess what? You can call Tom. Or you can call Luke, baby. Or you can call Fred. Someone who's been in the faith longer. Joe, JB, Steve, you know, we've been in the faith for a while. And if we don't know, maybe we know who else to call to find out. Ignorance should never be an excuse. I've, I've had times where I didn't know the answer to a question. It gave me an opportunity to pick up the phone and call another preacher and say, you know, I never ran into this before. Have you? No, I don't think I've ever dealt with that. However, I'm, thinking, I'm just thinking now about this scripture that might be helpful. There you go. Ignorance is never an excuse in saying, oh God, who are you? Is almost saying, well, who, who do you think you are to send me? <laughs> I'm nobody. 
Ignorance is no excuse. Let's not use that. Let's not be a, uh, use our imagination. Imagination, Moses tried that one. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Moses answered and said, but suppose... You always know something's good coming when somebody said, but suppose. Suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. That's his imagination. How many in here have ever had your imagination run away with you? The not-so-shy ones raise their hand. The shy ones don't want to let anybody know. I venture to guess most, if not all of us, have had our imagination run away with us a time or two. It's like the poor man. He, we feel that fear of the worst will happen. Your own thoughts may help to bring it about, don't it? Fear, the writer once said, is the wrong use of imagination. It is anticipating the worst, not the best that can happen. A salesman got an understanding on this. He was driving along on a lonely country road one dark night, rainy night, and, and he had a flat tire. And he opened the trunk. Guess what? No lug wrench. And the light from a farmhouse could be seen dimly up the road, so he set foot on it through the driving rain. And surely his farmer would have a lug wrench he could blow, he thought. Of course, it was late at night, and the farmer would be asleep in his warm, dry bed, and maybe he wouldn't answer the door. And even if he did, he'd be angry at being awakened in the middle of the night. The salesman picked up his, or picked his way blindly in the dark, stumbling along. By now, his shoes and his clothing were soaked. And even if the farmer did answer his knock, he would probably shout something like, What's the big idea waking me up at this hour? And this thought made the salesman angry. And what right did that farmer have to refuse him a loan of a lug wrench anyway? And after all, he was stranded in the middle of nowhere, stuck to the skin. The farmer was a selfish clod, no doubt about that. When the salesman finally reached the house, he banged loudly on the door and a light went on. Inside of the window opened above. Who is it? Yelled out a voice. And the salesman said, You know very well who it is. It's me. You can keep your blasted lug wrench. I wouldn't know the mouth was last one on earth. And he walked away. Now people's imagination get the best of them, can't they? Just like Moses. It happens today. People don't believe in themselves, but they believe their imaginations and make excuses. Moses didn't have the answer to what the others believed, but he had the answer for what he believed and he did. The same goes for each of us. Listen to God's response to Moses. Found there in verse 2. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And Moses said, A rod. A rod. A stick. And look at verse 3. And God said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Now isn't that what so many of us do? We run away from what God provides for us. That's just another excuse. God provides what we need. And in verse 4, And the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Moses used this rod in a mighty way throughout the rest of his ministry. Now how many of you think Moses remembered that in his hand, every day as he walked, was a rod that became a snake. And that he ran away from. 
I bet he remembered that illustration. Now let me ask you. What is that in your hand? It's a sword. It's called the Bible. But we must answer for what we do, not for what others do. Prove someone wrong. Go do what they didn't think you could do. Use the sword that God has given you. Read it daily. Share it. Bring it with you to worship. There are many people, I'm here to tell you, many people throughout this world that would love to own one of these and don't. Now how do I know that? Because when Ed Bowser was walking this earth and had his radio show, he would get countless requests each week for him to send them a Bible. And Ed tried to send as many Bibles to people that he could. And when they got it, I guarantee you they didn't take it and put it on a dusty shelf and leave it there and never open it up. They used it and read it and devoured it day in and day out. And that's how you get to know what the Word of God says. And that's when you can never use that excuse, I don't know. Or if you do not know something, then you know where to look because you've... Oh, I remember reading that before. That's why I told many people, if you get your Bible, buy yourself a concordance. That's the next book to buy. And I will happy to teach you how to use it. Because the concordance gives you all the different words that are in the Bible and then where you can find them. So if you want to find out something about baptism, the concordance there will tell you all the different scriptures where baptism is used and you'll be able to find all kinds of places. Lord's Supper, it's in the concordance. So on and so forth. That's how important this book here is to us. The sword. And we shouldn't run away from it. We should devour it. And on my Ed Bowsman illustration, I remember one day, right after Ed came and preached the revival and talked about the Bibles, I was walking down the hallway of the, of the church where I was a, a, on the staff, and there was a quote-unquote lost and found table. And I don't remember the exact number, but there were numerous, numerous, at least 15 Bibles laying on the lost and found table. And I couldn't help but think either that's not important to somebody to leave it laying around in the church building that's on the lost and found table or that we have so many Bibles at home that we just let them lay around wherever we go. And they get put on the lost and found table. It's rather sad, isn't it? When somebody else can be using that. Imagination. That's an excuse God won't tolerate. And number four, imperfection. Imperfection. Well, verse 10, Moses tried one more time. Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to me, your servant, but I am slow in speech and slow in tongue. You know what that means? I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. I'm imperfect. Look, I have a speech problem. I, 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 I stutter. 
Lord, certainly there is someone better and suited for this job than me. Now I want to tell you the perfect story. Now don't miss this one. The perfect story where there was a perfect man who met a perfect woman. After a perfect courtship, they had a perfect wedding. Their life together was, of course, perfect. One snowy, stormy Christmas Eve, this perfect couple was driving along a winding road when they noticed someone at the roadside in distress. And being the perfect couple, they stopped to help. There stood Santa Claus with a huge bundle of toys. Not wanting to disappoint any children on the eve of Christmas, the perfect couple loaded Santa and his toys into their vehicle. Soon they were driving along delivering the toys. Unfortunately, the driving conditions deteriorated, and the perfect couple and Santa Claus had an accident. Only one of them survived the accident. Who was the survivor? Well, the woman's response would be, the perfect woman. She's the only one that ever really existed in the first place. Everyone knows there's no Santa Claus and there's no such thing as a perfect man. Now the male's response is this. So if there's no perfect man and no Santa Claus, the perfect woman must have been driving. This explains why there was an accident in the first place. Now, what are our imperfections? Excuses that we use today for not doing something to help someone else. Don't We don't speak well. We don't get around too good anymore. Memory isn't as good as it used to be. Or we're too busy. You see, there are just excuses that we use for not using what we have. What was God's response? God's response is this. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. God reminds Moses and us that he is in charge and can teach us. God has provided a great book for us to read. We only need to read it and allow the Holy Spirit of God to send the knowledge that is in this book. You see, the point is this. We have no excuses. Have you ever heard the statement, it is more blessed to give than receive? I hope so. I preached on it just a couple weeks ago. Well, that's found in the book, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And it doesn't just apply to money or gifts. It can apply to time or abilities or anything else. You are important. God can use you and is waiting for you to respond. Even something as simple as a smile or a card, a letter, a phone call, a small gift made by your hands. These are all ways to serve God and our blessing to others. You see, the point is, we are without excuse. We are without excuse. In verse 14, well, here's what Moses said. But he said, oh my Lord, please send my, uh, by the hand of whomever else you may send. At this point, Moses is saying, I'm not the man! So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. <laughs> Moses, that made God mad. But also showed God's understanding to a degree. 
said, it's not Aaron the Levite, your brother. I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with you and your mouth with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall say. You see, God didn't leave Moses off the hook. He just, I'll send your brother with you too. And he can, I'll be with his mouth, but I'll also be with your mouth. In other words, God was telling him, he may do some of the talking, but you're still going to talk for me. Moses, those excuses aren't going to cut it. You're still going. And I almost think that God's giving him the point here is, don't make me angry any further, Moses, because I don't have time for this. We are without an excuse when it comes to serving God. I'd like to close with this story. It's called Rules of the Road. <coughs> Through somewhat younger, or though somewhat younger, this band wrote, my wife and I attend a church that caters to senior citizens. And we like it because of the traditional service and very friendly elderly people. On one particular Sunday, or one, one in particular is a lady in her early 80s who cheerfully greets us at the same door every Sunday morning with a smile and kind words. We look forward to seeing Betty and give her an occasional hug. And on Sunday when I went to church alone, Betty handed me a small piece of paper, asked me to read it when I had time. On the slip of paper she had written, here are some phrases to think about over an egg enjoyed from an egg cup. Here's what it said. Stay loose. Learn to watch snails. Make little signs that say yes. Make friends with freedom and uncertainty. Cry during movies. Swing as high as you can on a swing by moonlight. Do it for love. Take lots of naps. I like that one. I wish I could. Give money away. Do it now. The money will follow. Believe in magic. Laugh a lot. Celebrate every gorgeous moment. Read every day. Giggle with children. Listen to those older than you are. Entertain your inner child. Get wet. Hug trees. Write more letters. Eat a soft-boiled egg from an egg cup with a candle on the table. Glory. One Sunday we got to church and entered without a greeting. And during the service it dawned on me that our friend Betty was not at her post that morning. After the service we went to the fellowship hall for coffee and I asked another lady where Betty was. She told me that she had been hit by a car, had been flown by a helicopter to the hospital in the south of the county. She was small and frail but not a bone of her body was broken. She said that Betty was mad because she had always wanted to ride on a helicopter and she couldn't remember a thing. I discovered that Betty had been moved to a rehab center near my office, so I stopped in to visit a few minutes. She was in therapy, but I finally found her sitting at a table alone, and I walked over to her and saw that she was horribly bruised on the whole left side of her face and body. She smiled when she saw me walking over to her. I said, Betty, do you remember that list you gave me about how to enjoy life? And she smiled and said, yes, I do. He said, well, I have another thing to add to the list. What is it, she said. And I said, look both ways. And she broke out laughing and reached out to give me a hug. Here's a lady who knows about the attitude of living your life. What aren't you doing today because of excuses? 
You have a great opportunity to use the abilities and talents that God has given you. Even if you only use them here in the little community of Chiefland. You can send cards of encouragement or goodwill. I knew a lady, her name was Alma Gray. She was 80 years old. She would send cards to all the seniors in the church for whatever occasion. And if she didn't have occasion, she'd make up an occasion just to send them a card. This is someone who's ill. Make them some homemade soup. Help out at the church or volunteer at a shelter or a soup kitchen. Go to the library and read a book to, a child, to the children. There's another lady, 80 years old. Her name was Eloise Collins. She helped clean the communion trays, wash the baptismal robes and the towels on Sundays. You see, there's much you can do. You can have great abilities and don't allow anyone to tell you that you are too old because, remember, it's not about age, it's about attitude. You have lived many years and have much wisdom, experience, and love to share with others. So as the Nike shoe commercial says, just do it. And if you haven't yet made the decision to become a Christian, then all I can say is, why not? What are you waiting for? One thing we can understand about the Bible, we're never guaranteed tomorrow. And maybe that's why we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. He said, for he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, in the day of the salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to not stop making excuses and reach out and serve God. Use your talent for God. What has He given you that you can use a talent? I once had a preacher say this. If you're not using your talent, God may take it away. And when He takes that one, He may take something else as well. I heard of a preacher who cried a lot. He would preach, and then he would always seem to cry when he preached. He was very emotional. And it used to bother him. He was so emotional. So he prayed to God to God stop the tears. Sure enough, he stopped crying when he would preach. But everybody said his preaching skill really dropped. He no longer seemed to have the desire to preach like he once did. He just wasn't preaching with the same enthusiasm, same desire. And after a while, he realized his mistake and prayed and asked God's forgiveness. It wasn't long before he had the desire back in him and the tears were coming and he was no longer embarrassed by the tears. Don't underestimate the ability and the talent God given you and how useful it can be. I can tell you there's been times in my life and my ministry as a Christian, I received a letter or a card at just the right time from the, a person that I would have never guessed would send me a card or a letter of encouragement. And it would come just at the right time. That's using your talent and serving the Lord in a mighty way. Because there's no one in here, none of us, that are too old to serve the Lord. Not a single one of us. Keep going. No more excuses. Not that you're making any. Because I know a lot of you, you're serving the Lord in a lot of mighty ways. 
This just encourages you. Don't let excuses stop you. Especially your age. Serve the Lord. Let's sit down. If you haven't given your life to Jesus today, I want to sit down with you and talk to you about how you can get salvation and God's provided for you through faith, repenting of your sin, confessing the name of Jesus, getting immersed in the water, baptism, where God will wash away your sins and fill you with His Holy Spirit and go on and walk a faithful life the rest of your days just as we witnessed Jordan be baptized last week. What are you waiting for? Today's the day of salvation.